This podcast is brought to you by A Copy Match. A Copy Match is a boutique matchmaking service that helps exceptional singles find meaningful connections and relationships. To learn more about our matchmaking services, online dating makeovers and takeovers, or to enroll in an upcoming group coaching intensive, go to agapimatch.com. Welcome to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'm your host, Matchmaker Maria. For over a decade, I've combined four generations of family matchmaking tradition with modern relationship psychology, behavioral science, and dating trends. With this unique expertise, I answer your dating and relationship questions on the podcast and online. If you're not already following me, you can find me on Instagram. I'm Matchmaker Maria. And while you're at it, follow this podcast, Ask a Matchmaker, so that you are notified whenever a new episode drops. You can also subscribe to this podcast. You'll receive the same reminders. This week's guest is Charlie Lester. Charlie Lester is a London-based dating expert. She founded the Dating Awards and was co-founder of Lumen, the fastest growing dating app of 2019. Lumen was sold as part of Bumble Group in 2020. Charlie now works as an advisor to various apps in the dating space and is the author of various books, including The Female Entrepreneur and her newest book, Rebel Badge Book. In her spare time, Charlie runs ultra marathons and Ironman triathlons and has two douche hounds. Is that how I say it? No. Is that awful? How do I say it? The hot dogs. Daxons. Oh God, I am <laughs> awful. I, douche, I've never... douche hound. I, it could be applicable. Well, anyway, th- their names are Hugo and Dudley. Okay, I, I have a confession to make. I've never said that word out loud. Anytime I see that word, I always say, oh, what a cute dog you have. Like, how do you say it again? It's Dachshund, which means badger dog in German, but a lot of people call them Dachshunds. So Dachshund is kind of like an acceptable way of pronouncing it in in an American or English way. I love Douchehounds. Do you know what? One one of my dogs is so annoying that he could be a (laughs) douchehound. I've seen this word a million times. So many of my friends, including you, have these dogs. And I'm always like, hmm, a dog. That's nice. I don't know how to pronounce it. You can say sausage dog, right? Quite often I yeah, just say sausage exactly. dog. Yeah, exactly. And I usually just say, oh, a hot dog. And also, for anyone who's like, Maria's an idiot, I would like to see you pronounce my last name. All right. So we are done. We are even. We can keep going. Uh, Charlie, we had you on exactly a year ago for our New Year's episode. So this is now officially a tradition. But honestly, this is exactly what I want to talk to you all year is because you are the queen of goalkeeping. I'm not surprised about your new books. We're going to talk about that in a second. But you are the queen of goalkeeping. I absolutely love following you on Instagram. Follow her, charlie.lester on Instagram. It is so, it's such a pleasure to have you. How was your 2021? (laughs) Uh, I mean, probably like most people's rather disappointing. I think we were locked down for five months here at the start of the year, I think. I think. I mean, I feel like my year pretty much started in June. Um, so and you're in London. It, and I'm in London. And, um, you know, I, I, as we talked about last year, I like to start years with a list of things that, that I'm going to achieve that year. And I think the last two years have taught me that sometimes the plan has to go out the window and you have mm. to adapt. Um, but I mean, I've, I've, I, you know, it's funny because, because for me, the last year has not been as as exciting as my normal years would be. Um, 
when I was launching Lumen, I think I spent seven months of the 12 months traveling around the world when we were launching Lumen. I was literally like getting off a plane and going on breakfast television in Australia and then flying to LA. And then I, and, and it was so cool. And, and so, you know, two years not really leaving my house has been quite a change. Um, but it's funny because at first I was like, oh, I probably haven't really achieved much in the last year. And then you sit down and you actually start working it out. And it's just, it's, it's just a different set of achievements. And I think that's the kind of key thing at the moment in this weird world we're living in. It's being able to recognize when you have achieved something and taking those hits and, and you know, and, and I guess rewarding yourself in the same way that you would have if it was a far cooler achievement in the normal world. I mean, everything is relative and like God was normal anyway, but everything is so relative. And, um, you know, like you, a week ago, I was not so much mentally struggling, but I felt emotionally struggling. Like I was thinking to myself, God, this year went by so quickly. What what the hell did I do this year? And then it was only until January 1st, my husband and I, we do a goal planning exercise. I'll talk about that in a second, but we do a goal planning exercise on the first of the month. And that is when I started writing down like, okay, here were the challenges and the struggles. Here were the achievements and the highlights of the year. And you start to reassess that like, wow, I had, you know, at least for myself, I had, I had, it was pretty balanced. Like the challenges versus the achievements are very balanced. Now the achievements look very different than other years. Um, one of my top achievements was potty training my son. That was a big deal for me. Um, but you know, it's just, it, it's just, it is shocking. Like how sometimes because we feel we were so used to a certain sort of life before that it's like, oh, what did, what do we even do? And it's like, well, what are you talking about? You found a way to travel back, to, back to your homeland. Um, you, you were safely traveling there with your family and you saw people you haven't seen in a few years. Like that's a big achievement, you know? And, and even if you didn't do that, like for me as a business owner, I know this is really dumb, but I put it in my goal planner every single year. I made payroll every single month of the year. That's like a big deal for me. And it, cause it goes back to, you know, what my goals were in 2011 when I had my first employee and I was like, oh my God, this is a big responsibility. I think I always, always, whenever I've been working for myself, that pride in knowing that I have paid my own salary off an idea that was my idea and off work that is all my own work. I, I think that, yeah, that is an achievement regardless of the state of the world. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely m even more so at the moment. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's about reframing. It's funny because when you were saying about the highlights of the year, I think that probably, it's probably actually for me, that's where I need to reframe the most, right? Because in previous years, my highlights would be like running an ultramarathon through the Sahara or, you know, like literally jumping out of planes that's the kind of stuff I do in my spare time and this year my highlights are things like teaching my five-year-old niece how to bake and that's been really lovely and um and taking my old neighbor's kids who have grown up literally next door to me their entire lives and I moved house this year and so they've been coming for sleepovers um just to give their parents a break and stuff and actually those have been real highlights they've just been very different highlights it's just a different yeah. one yeah. okay so I mentioned the goal planner so if anyone is interesting I have included a link to the goal planner uh, worksheets that I use this year. This year I made them. Usually I would get them from someone else. This year um, I uh, we made them at, at, at Agape Match. And, you know, George and I, we printed them out on January 1st like we always do. And we sat down at 10 o'clock to write them out. And by 11 o'clock we started presenting them to each other. And the one thing that I was taken aback by was two things. One, how much of me being of service to others was so much of like my value set. 
And two, how different my husband and I were on, like we had sort of the similar goals, but the priorities were really different. And that was good to kind of see like, oh, this is real much more important to you than it is to me. That's good to know. Like, it doesn't mean I'm going to meet him. I have my own priorities, but now we are aware of like what the other person is prioritizing so that we can give them the room or the acknowledgement that they may need to, to achieve those goals. Yeah. And it's not, it's not a normal conversation that you have with people, is it? I think quite often, I think that regardless of your relationship status, I think we do this in all our relationships with friends and stuff. We, we always um, expect people to be carbon copies of ourselves and we, we put our own kind of um, thought processes onto that person and our own priorities. And, and like you said, I mean, you can you can literally have been with someone years and have a completely different set of priorities and that's absolutely fine. It's just making right, sure that right. you understand that so that if you are putting something that's a high priority to them lower on your list, then maybe you might want to reassess it or at least kind of respond to that right yeah and you know also also, i just want to reiterate i've said this before online but you know if you do download the goal planner and you do it by yourself even if you don't have a boyfriend or a husband or a girlfriend or a wife or whatever you know it's you should definitely do it by yourself but i highly recommend tapping on a friend's shoulder and doing it with them that way you have an accountability accountability partner because you know my husband and i we have already scheduled in our calendars april 1st (laughs) july 1st like we have quarterly check-ins on what we wrote to see like okay are there new priorities where are we on this you know and I think I mean I also you know we also do that with our finances to see like where we're at because I was just just tough well and I think honestly I think the world we're living in I think more than ever it's worth you know it's not just about new year's resolutions at the moment it's about reviewing them every couple of months because if the world changes and suddenly half of those things that you wrote are physically impossible like the world will not let you achieve them then that's fine just just reassess them and come up with some new ones I I definitely have done that both the last years can I tell you something I've only recently shared outside of my house I I shared it with one of my girlfriends the other day and I'll share it with you now and I'll share it with the rest of the world listening. I don't so much believe in yearly resolutions. Like I have goals that I want to complete, but I fi- I sometimes think of like years are very much a social construct, right? Like, yes, there's a, there's definitely an earth orbiting the sun, which gives us, you know, the contextualization that time is passing and the seasons and the solstices and all that stuff. Right. But when I think of like my overall goals that I want to complete, I don't think of it, think of them in yearly like resolutions. I actually think of them in Olympic year resolutions. So for instance, like I have certain goals in mind and I've been doing this since um, Athens 2004 Olympics where it's like, okay, by the time Beijing happens, I want these things to happen. So at the time then it was like, I want to have graduated my undergrad by the time Beijing. Um, And I want to have my first job. Then by the time London happened, I was like, okay, I want to finish grad school by then. And you know, whatever. And I did like, so I had, you know, I had this like kind of a big glob of time to figure out things. So now it's like, okay, the next Olympics, it's great because when you think of it this way, like, you know, the Olympics were supposed to happen in 2020, right? But our lives got a pause and I felt like, oh, I got an extra year to the goals I wanted to complete by 2020. And then it's like my new goals are like, I want to, um, you know, buy a house by the time of Paris. I, uh, you know, I kind of want to have a tummy tuck by Paris. It's like, I don't have to do it this year, but I want to do certain things. That's like, 
I want to get certain things done. And I have this all this time until then to like figure it out when it's supposed to happen at the right time. Not like, oh my God, it has to happen in like the next three months. That's the interesting thing about goal planning. I think one of the key things is to, you know, I've, I've, I've done various planners over the years. And to be honest, the ones that I found that, that work the best for me are ones where there's big, big like long-term goals, but then it also breaks it down into sort of more easable chunks and steps and I think that you know it's great a lot of people talk in five-year plans don't they what's your five-year plan which is kind of an adaptation of your Olympic idea it's just you've got one less year but um if you but that's why about- I cry during the Olympics right because it's like oh like it's like reflection for me it's not like because you know you could keep doing this five-year plans every year and it never ends but if you put an event with like a celebration attached, like, okay, you know, this is happening. You can't keep saying, you know, but yes, continue. I feel like, is this where the rebel badge book came? Well, partly though, um, though I was going to say, I think the bit that it reminds me of is one of the reasons actually that I quite enjoy working in startups. And one of the attitudes that I've applied to working in startups that I think works well for me is that I'm quite good at, I'll have, I'll have vague four or five year plans but I think I'm quite good at just looking at the ground in front of me right and this comes from literally doing six day ultramarathons through the desert where if I was thinking about the finish line on day one then I'd probably like be you know head down in the sand like three hours later because you just can't think in that way you've got to literally work your way from checkpoint to checkpoint and you're just concentrating on the next checkpoint and getting there in time and I think that that is actually works really well for me in business I can remember when we first launched Lumen and my co-founder had never, never never run a business before and he was really stressing all the time and he's like we need to be by this number of users at this point in this and I was like look that yeah we know we know where we're going but what is the challenge that we're facing at the moment what do we need to do this week what is the next step we need to take because it is you know life is a series of steps and I think I that's where I think sometimes when when those things seem too big and too daunting you know like for example the idea of buying a house right so it might seem absolutely huge and impossible to people at the moment okay we'll break it down right how much do you need to earn as a, to get a deposit right how much do you need to save for that deposit how much could you save per month I think sometimes kind of t- taking that that big house of a problem and breaking it down into individual bricks can make something seem so much more accessible and also stop you giving up on the end goal I think sometimes maybe the the problem that a lot of people have with goal planning is that they make these really big lofty ideas but then instead of breaking it down into sort of bite-sized chunks they get intimidated by how huge it seems and then they just say do you know what I'm not even going to try because it just seems too scary and too big so I think that yeah I think breaking stuff down into chunks can really help but i feel like what you just said is also describing describing. what the dating experience is right now like i know that you know based look just because of the job that i have the career that i've chosen for myself i know that a lot the people that i interact with they all want to be in relationships you know i'm sure people some people just want to date some people just want to have you know the quote-unquote whole phase but a lot of people want a relationship whatever that relationship is defined for them but a relationship nonetheless and when you say to them stuff like, we'll start an online dating site, it's like, what? Like, not an online dating site, excuse me, start start your, uh, you know, go create a profile online, what? You know, that seems like a mountain. And it's like, well, no, no, just, you know, there's, this is the step. Or I'll say stuff like, you know, we have to start, you know, meeting people out and about and here's how to do it. Like, you know, I try to give as much specific information because when you just tell people, why can't you just meet people out and about? It's like, that's such a mountain for so many people because they don't know what the first step is. 
Well, and also just with attitude, right? People rush in with that end goal. And if you turn up on a first date and go, yeah, I'm actually, I'm looking for a husband and I want to have five kids and that would be brilliant. You are going to scare someone out the room sometimes. Like take it in steps. Like, yes, be honest about what you're looking for. But one step at a time, maybe work out what their name is. And and if you've got anything in common with them before you start telling them about your five-year plans. You know, I just remember... Okay, so this past Sunday was Dating Sunday. And for those who don't know, Dating Sunday is the most popular day in online dating for people to join uh, a website or log into an online dating site. Knowing what that feels like, you know, there is this sort of excitement and anxiety when signing up for an online dating site. And I feel like it's way less now because when you would sign up in the past through a desktop, like back in 2010, you would see all these beautiful faces. Um, do you remember that you'd see all the beautiful faces on the signup page and you're like, well, I want that one. I want that person right there. I don't mean to objectify someone. I'm just saying it. And they were all fake, weren't they? They were all models. Of course they, they were, were all fake. fake. Of course they were fake. But then you sign up and you're like, okay, wait, where do I find that guy? Where do I find that woman? And you're rushing through the profile. You're just trying to get to the end goal. And it's like now with, you know, with app dating, it's a little bit better the signup process. But it's still, you know, you, you, for those of you who join online dating on Sunday, who might be feeling a little discouraged three days in, I just want to say, you know, it does take a few weeks. Chances are the first person you meet online is not going to be the person. And it's an experience that you have to just think of, like, you know, it's just an experience for you to meet new people. It's just a tool online to get offline. Agreed. Right. And and you will always meet those people who are like, oh, I only ever spoke to one person. Well, for every yeah. one of those people, there's at least 100 of us who have been on dating apps for a fair few years. <laughs> and it's fine. I've had some I mean, great dates. I mean, even when you had Lumen, Lumen was an app that was catered for people over 50, right? Or 55? Over 50, yeah. Over 50. And, you know, for them, that was probably the first time they've ever online dated. Yeah, definitely. I, I had to handhold a lot. Um, um, a lot of them were shown how to do it by their kids, which is quite interesting. But yeah, I mean, and and, and you know what? The weird thing, if the, the weird thing about online dating is that you are, it's the only time in your life that you really market yourself. You might to some degree on your resume, on your CV, but really, I mean, how many times in your life are you having to like choose, okay, these are all the most attractive pictures. Really, you know, really objectively, which is the most attractive picture of me? How would I describe myself to a stranger? These are not normal things you do every day, unless, unless literally you have a very strange job it's not a normal process to go through which is why it's so much easier getting a friend involved right and having that friend tell you oh okay actually you know Maria can you describe me in five words way easier than you sitting there thinking oh what are the best five words to describe me um but yeah it is it's a weird process you are literally having to be a marketer for yourself yeah to not online date in 2021 is like not having an email and I keep just saying the mindset always has to be you're just using this online tool to get offline. That's all it is. Well, and think how much of the rest of our lives is online. I, it always amuses me when people suggest there's a stigma to meeting people online. And it's like, literally look at how, how many hours you've spent on your phone. Like, how I, I don't know about you. Most of my friends from school, I only know what their children look like because of Facebook. I have not met those children in real life, right? But I would right. still count those as friendships and online friends. We have online friendships these days. That's the reality of the world. And, and the pandemic has only made our lives even more online focused. Right. So right. there is nothing embarrassing about going on a platform where other people are looking for the same thing and meeting someone because it's just casting your net that bit wider. 
I want to talk about your book, your newest book. I'm so excited about this. And I feel like, of course, like when I, the first time I saw the book, I was like, of course, Charlie wrote this book. So tell us more about the Rebel Badge book. So um, I was a guide and scout for years, so like a Girl Scout and then and then actually a Boy Scout because you can join the Boy Scouts in the UK as a girl. Um, and so I did that for years and it was kind of quite, I guess, I think really quite form- like formative to who I am as a person, right? When I was 10, I had this badge book of, of badges and all these cool challenges I could try and I was that kid that was trying to do every badge in the badge book. And it's funny because I don't know if you experienced this, during the lockdowns, the world obviously came in a lot smaller and and in terms of enjoyment and pastimes and stuff I think a lot of people returned to quite traditional things like crafting like knitting or crocheting baking bread (laughs) baking exactly all these kind of old skills that I realized oh I only know how to do these things because when I was seven or ten I got this badge and um and I'd been thinking of this new app idea so um I sold Loom in, in February 2020 and since then I've been working on other people's startups and I was like oh I quite like working for myself on my own ideas and I was thinking oh I've got this idea for an app that I'd had for a few years and it was going to be called Brownie Points and the idea was that um, you were rewarded for doing things like going for a run or eating healthily like all the things that I to be honest include in my in my goals for the year and it was quite a nice way that I thought the app could kind of tick it off and then like, like a habit tracker like a habit tracker but almost kind of combining a lot of the different apps that we have out there so that it, you know it might include some fitness it could include things like hobbies and so that was kind of where the idea started from and then I thought actually you know it's quite nice getting a badge right I haven't got a badge since I was a kid apart from running medals really and I was like well it seems a shame that you the only way to get those medals and a lot of adults enjoy those running medals well you could should be able to get those things from not just running so I sort of started thinking about it more and more and I thought and I and the more I researched it the more I realized that basically merit badges stop at age 15 there is very hard to get any form of merit badge anywhere in the world over over the age of 15 but actually as adults we do lots of the cool stuff that you can get merit badges for so I started researching and and I actually tried to make it into an app and the quotes I got for the app are crazy. Like this is the reality of launching an app for like um, a kind of, you know, a really basic MVP. They were quoting me like 40,000 GBP. So what's that like 60 grand US just just for not even for the end app. And, um, wow. and I was like, well, I was like, well, like, I just want to test out this idea. And I'd obviously I've, I've published books before. I've self-published on Amazon before. And I thought, well, do you know what? Why don't I self-publish this book and just see what the uptake is and if if the uptake's interested enough then I'll then I'll look at maybe create some badges what I can do and so that was kind of where I was maybe July and you know I remember I can remember I was mowing my lawn at the time because I was thinking that's something I have to force myself to do and if I had a badge where I would could be get this badge at the end of the summer for mowing my lawn every week then I would have been really happy and so that was the starting point and so I researched all the badges that are out there for for Girl Scouts and Cubs and Beavers and Brownies and all the different age groups started with that as a starting point and then created 52 badges that are specifically for adults so some of them are things like baking and there is a gardener's badge but there are other ones that are very specific to adults so there's like an investor badge which you just get for learning about how to invest your savings and there's an adulting badge which you get for doing things like defrosting your freezer and um, and doing your spring cleaning uh, cleaning out areas of chaos in your house like you literally just get rewarded for being a good adult in your house and there are meditation badges there are our fitness badges um, and, and and I wanted to just make sure that it was appealing to everyone 
let me ask you a few questions about this concept. So you have the book, people then get stickers or they get sticker badges? So there are two different types of badges. So you can you can buy the book with stickers and then you can put the stickers in your book. Mm-hmm. Or you can, when you finish a badge, you can then buy a fabric badge, which you can either iron on or you can sew on. It's a shame that this is a podcast because I can show you them over Zoom. They are pretty cool. They're like little physical. That's, that's I'm just, if anyone, the, the, the medium of hearing, I'm holding up a pink badge with a microphone on, which is my talents, and a purple badge that's got a sewing machine on, which is a designer badge. But they're um, they're like 35 millimeters across. So it's about like an inch and a half circular. Um, and there's 52 different ones. My office is full of them. And then we've got like a sheet of stickers that you can get with all of them on. And they're all, there's, I think there's six different colors of badges. So um, the idea is I've grouped them up. So there's like um, purple ones are the creative badges. Green ones are wellness related. Yellow ones are adult skills. So you can go through different sections of the books and do different things. That is genius. The, from the purchases now, do you know if there's like a gender breakdown? Like who is more amped to do this? So this is the tricky thing because I haven't I, so I haven't paid for any marketing. So far, I've just been contacting um, groups on Facebook that I think might be interested in doing the badges. Mm-hmm. Because this is one of the things that actually going back to our, early com- our earlier conversation about accountability, I really like the idea of A, trying to encourage people to sign up with their friends so they can do badges with their friends or even with their kids or with their partners. Um, but also um, I wanted to create this Facebook group. So we've got a Facebook group that once you buy the book you can come and join the Facebook group and and people share what they're doing for the different badges which is really cool um if, if people have got questions they can ask um there's if people have disabilities or allergies or anything like that then I can adapt the badges for them and just give them some other things they can do um and there's about 500 people in this group already which is not bad after two and a half months I'm quite happy with that but they are 95% female <laughs> so okay. we need some men in this group <laughs> yeah I mean I, I think that you know, it, it, it makes sense that it's women at the same time. Like, uh, yeah, just because uh, all the women I know are so badass. Do you, is there any um, like scarcity badges, like a badge that's like just really hard to attain that if someone got it, it's like really valuable? Or are we not, not there not, yet? Not necessarily about scarcity. It's interesting. I can tell you what the most popular badges so far that people have got. So so I think we've just hit 300 badges that have been claimed already, which is not bad, right? After that amount of time that I know of. Um, these are people who have actually ordered the physical badges off me. Um, the most common ones are community service, which makes sense because a lot of the people who are in the group are Girl Scout leaders um, from around the world because that was one of the groups on Facebook that were most into this. So lots of them. And for that badge, you have to do six months of community service. And some of them have done up to like 25 years. And bless them, they're like showing me the proof of their 25 years community service, which is really cute. Um, Craft is really popular. For that one, you have to do five different crafts. And there's like a list of like 20 things you can do, including felting, which I tried this week, which involved me sticking a a needle in my finger a lot. Um, But I made like a little, I made a douche hound. Um, (laughs) And what's the other one? Oh, adulting has been really popular. I think that people are quite like the idea of getting a badge for doing adult like admin tasks that they know they have to get around to so that's been quite interesting seeing how popular that one is there's a couple that i haven't given out yet which um partly maybe because of the um the weather and the time of year so there's been very few campers um there's like a a lot of the outdoor badges have been very um kind of low on uptake so far gardener people aren't outside at the moment i guess mechanic no one has done mechanic yet which is for learning how to fix your car right right i feel like i will go out of my way to purchase the adulting badge when I find the will 
to clean, what do you call them? The moldings on the ground that are like, you know, between the floor and the wall. That strip. A skirting board. That's what we call it in England. Okay. I believe you. You know how there's like grout, like, you know, like grime, like dust that fill. Like, I have to, I have to do that in my house like this month. There's, I think on that badge, there's literally a space in the badge book that says you can choose one thing that you know you put off all the time and you've got to do it once a week for a month. So that can once be your- Once a week? <laughs> once a week for a month. Oh my, oh my God. I don't even want to do it like ever. I'm just like, I remember um, we have a person who comes and cleans our house like, I don't know, every three weeks. And one day I was like, do you want to clean this? And she's like, no, <laughs> like that's going to be extra Maria. That's a general cleaning. I'm like, God damn it. Like I'll, I'll find the will to do it. She's great though. I love her. Um, so, okay. And I'm just now thinking about now that you said that about the Facebook group, I was not aware there was a Facebook group. Now I got to join that. But, um, I'm really curious now about like, I feel like this, this is going to just be such an exciting year for you because I think stuff like this, especially when it's like really group oriented, like it gives, you know, people an activity to do together. That is, you know, this is beyond, um, you know, what do you call it? Uh, like a book club. This is an action club. And, um, I think, you know, I think stuff like this, when more group leaders start to adopt them and they get their audiences around it, I just, I'm just so excited for you right now. I, I think it's the the first two and a half months have been so promising, right? Because this just kind of, that was my little test really. Like who's, you know, are strangers going to buy this book? It's one thing convincing my friends to buy it, right? right which which right. has been really sweet. But when it's complete strangers getting excited over it. And I think that's what's been so cool about the Facebook group is I can see how excited people are getting. And I can see the stuff they're sharing. And, and these are complete strangers that are, and even actually, do you know what's really cute is actually how people are documenting their, um the like, as they're doing the badges. A lot of them are, are bullet journalists and they're making such beautiful bullet journals because they use the stickers in them and stuff and they just look really cool and um, so that's been the kind of something that I didn't expect at all that's been a really nice sort of thing to watch people doing can you send I want when I post this um episode uh in a couple of days on the Instagram uh ask a matchmaker Instagram I want to post a few photos of your badges your book and also show me an example of these bullet this bullet journal stuff like i want to see how people are using them and that way people other people can see it and get excited to join this because i think this is a really great and also you know to go back to like of course charlie lester <laughs> like that was literally my exhale when you first posted about this because i just know that's why you're here right like i just know how goal oriented you are and i just love having you for this I think it's one of those things, isn't it, where about, I think, you know, I've started probably four or five businesses in the past, not always all my idea, you know, like Lumen wasn't my idea, but it was my baby because I was told the idea and then I created a brand around it. But, um, and I think, I think personally that the things that work best for me are when I'm so passionate about the idea, right? I started the awards because dating is an unregulated industry and it was really annoying me how many charlatans and dodgy sharks there were around and they were trying to con me as someone working in the space and I was like oh my god if they're trying to con me what are they doing to these poor daters so that was why I started the awards and and I kind of it's, it's been really exciting because it's the same buzz definitely so there's that passion because this this book is so me because I was that geeky girl scout who loved ticking off the badges but I'm still that person at 38 you know like I the fitness badge if you get this book the fitness badge is how I run my life right I tick off my days of fitness every month that's how I've stayed fit for like the last six years um the entrepreneur badge which Maria you've definitely got already but even like your book like I love I wait until January 1st 
to find out what I have to read, like whatever you read the year before based on. So if you follow Charlie Lester on Instagram, usually the first of the year, and I don't know if you've posted on your feed yet, you should, if you haven't, but, um, you post what books you read the year before and like what you would rank them and what gets a heart and what you, you know, and I will literally wait until January 1st to see like, okay, what books have I not read the year before? So I can read them this year based off of Charlie's recommendation. So it's like, of course, I'm just really proud of you. Okay, Charlie, let's end this episode by taking a question from our audience. Someone emailed us. All right. So I recently read Datanomics and it changed my mindset about dating someone with an equal education to mine, a bachelor's degree. I started seeing someone who is not college educated and I'm running into the issue of not receiving family approval because of the education gap. They believe he is not my equal because of that. When I think back to everything I've written down when describing a perfect partner, their education has never been on the list. Having a hard time reconciling my opinion with my families. Now, this person is 25 years old. Oh, I'm, do you know what? that makes me very sad to hear. And I can understand where that comes from. For a start, that book is amazing. If anyone hasn't read that, both Maria and I have met the author because we both spoke at a conference that he was speaking at. He's been a guest um, on this podcast. We oh, talked about yeah, his last yeah. book, uh, Make Your Move, John Berger. He's, he's, a, he's very good. He's not a dating expert. But he is a very good social scientist journalist. And so he's able to take the data from different studies and contextualize it as a journalist to for us to understand, like, what do the studies say? So if you're looking for books to read this year, um, you know, Data Economics, Datanomics and Make Your Move are really great books by John Berger. Um, but, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Charlie. That's all right. But so going back to that book, that book, one of the key messages about that book is that the world is full of white collar women, right? There are more and more of us going to university and getting higher and higher degrees. And there are less men by comparison going to universities. Um, and while white collar, which is the term that's used for people who've gone to university, while white collar men are, don't seem to mind dating blue collar, people who haven't gone to university, women or white collar women, more white collar women are expecting to date white collar men and that's kind of back down to our patriarchy system right and also dating up and all these awful things that are ingrained in us but um but it's also mathematically not possible like especially for her generation so you know the younger you get the more this is what the book says that there are more women as you said being you know in currently there in right now in the united states there are more females enrolled than males uh, and it, and it affects, and the, the book is brilliant because it talks about the way that that actually affects the way that men date. For example, when men are at universities where there are way more women, they date more casually than if women are scare, scarce and mm-hmm. things. And it's, yeah, it's incredible the way it affects things. But but what, going back to the question, I think the interesting thing there is that, that that education gap, if you want to call it a gap, doesn't make any difference to her or to her partner, it seems. It's it's only outside views. Now, I think if the if it was actually causing a problem internally, and I have had this before, not with a university's perspective, but with jobs, right? I, I was living with someone and we got to the point of going to buy a house and he realized I was being my I was earning more than double him. And, and that honestly, it ruined our relationship. You could tell the whole dynamic, the minute that we revealed our finances, the, the whole dynamic of my relationship started changing. In this situation where he knows you've gone to university, he knows he hasn't. If he hasn't got an issue with it, if you haven't got an issue with it, if he is ticking every box on your list, 
then own that, right? Because as Maria was saying, the, the mathematics that are out there, not every white collar woman is going to end up with a white collar man. That's absolutely fine. It's your relationship. Um, the, the, I suppose, and I, I say this as someone who doesn't have an extended family, right? I lost my parents when I was very young. So this is not, I've never had to really deal with parental expectation with my relationship. But from my perspective, it's your relationship. And do you know what? I think it says a lot more about those people. If that's what they're worrying about, screw them. Am I allowed to say screw them on the podcast? Yes, you are. Okay, so you use your own example here of like what happens when you out earn a man. And that is so, that is such a personal anecdote to you, right? Like just because, for instance, he had an issue, right? Because I don't think you, it seems like you did not have an issue. Oh, I knew. I knew I earned more than him. I I knew. I knew how much I was earning. (laughs) I was aware of that. I didn't have any issue. Yeah. Right. To validate what what you are saying very well is that he already knows you know, that you have an education and he clearly doesn't have an issue about it. Now let's look at the positives, right? Chances are he doesn't have any debt. Maybe he has already learned a trade. He did not need to go to college to learn a trade. Like, I think we do need to see that, you know, there are plenty of really, you know, if we're going to now equate, you know, and let's say sometimes people educate, excuse me, sometimes people equate education with, you know, income. Um, there are plenty of, positions, excuse me, there are plenty of careers that are just need a trade uh, degree um, or certification rather and pay very well. So I'm just trying to figure out like where the parents feelings come from, because I don't know. I, I always think to myself, like my default response to all of these things are your parents are not your relationship. You know, you have to learn if you are thinking about getting married, having kids one day, that relationship in that dynamic is between you and your partner. Yes, you do marry your partner's family. I'm not going to, I'll be the first one in line to tell you that. But as long as your partner advocates for you to his family and you advocate for your partner to your family, you still have to concentrate on what is your day to day. Your kitchen table conversations are not going to be about what your parents think of you. Your kitchen table conversations are going to be about, you know, what is your current drive to complete certain goals that you have as a family? And you're not even there yet. She's only 25. I mean, yeah, it would be interesting to, I think, to try and um, to speak to to your family and try and understand what is the concern. Is the concern that their their grandchildren wouldn't go to university? Does that, you know, is what, what, what? what is at the root of this problem because it you know is it an income question because I think it's interesting because I mean and I, I I'd be really honest with you so I'm single and I probably would want to date someone who'd gone to university purely because I spent I've spent I think seven years of my life at university right it's a mm-hmm. big part of my life studying is very important to me I do online Harvard courses all the time and stuff like so I think just from a perspective of them having something in common with me there's a for me there's a level of education because education was such a big part of my life but that's my personal requirements in a partner from what you're saying you're really happy with him and it doesn't it wasn't on your list exactly if education is important to you that's it that's okay it's important to you you know the limits we just talked about math (laughs) you know what the what the the math shows of how many people are available to you um, you know, if education is really important to you, then maybe other things can't be that important to you, like how close they are to your age or what their income is, or if they are, have a, they are balding, like there's other things, height. Oh God. You know? So if certain things are really important to you, uh, and they are very limiting and I'm not saying education is that limiting because the numbers are not there yet for a lot of people, but in some areas they are, 
then, you know, you have to find the balance of what the other limits are. But if you're telling me that education didn't even make it in your top 10 or 15 list, then it, that's, that's a them problem. It is not a you problem. And so to go back to her question, how do I have, you know, how do I deal with, I don't, she's not even asking how to deal with her parents. She's just trying to figure out how to balance her parents' opinion. And sometimes I think when you hear someone's opinion that might not agree with how you advocate for yourself and your partner, I think sometimes just saying, you know, thank you for your feedback. That's it. Like you don't have to, you don't have to answer things. Well, and also I think the the longer that you date this person, probably the more likely, you know, the, the more your family is going to get to know him. And he suddenly stops being a list of attributes and mm. starts being a real life person that they can see is is enhancing your life and they can see the effect he has on you. And hope you would hope if they care for you, then they see the effect he has on you and how happy that that makes you. And that should far outweigh his resume. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely, you know, what Charlie said before, definitely ask, you know, if they're, if they're pressing you, ask them where this is coming from, because then you can answer to their questions a little bit more effectively. Um, but also I would just ignore them. <laughs> if it's not on your top 10 or top 15 list, it doesn't matter. Charlie, it was really great catching up. And I am so excited for the Rebel Badge book. If you would like to purchase the Rebel Badge book, there is a link in the episode notes. And also you can, you can also follow Charlie by checking out her Instagram. The link is also in the episode show notes. Anything else that we should be promoting? No, I think that's, that's basically what, all, that's, that's, that's all my fun stuff at the moment. But yeah, I mean, head over to the Instagram for Rebel Badge Book that you can see, you can see the badges and see what they look like because I, I wasn't that. able I to that. share them on the podcast. Um, and yeah, and then come join the Rebel Badge Club on, fa on Facebook. And, and especially if there's any men listening, come, come and represent. We need more men in that group. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to include all these links in the, um, in the show notes. So if anyone is interested, just open up your podcast app right now and you'll see those links and you can head over there. Charlie, thank you so much again for coming to the Ask a Matchmaker podcast. I'll see you again next year, huh? <laughs> it's, it's a date. <laughs> and thank you for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. If you'd like to speak to me on an upcoming hotline episode, follow me on Instagram and I will post a link where we can chat. Until then, you can learn more about what I do or enroll in an upcoming Agape intensive by visiting agapematch.com services. Thank you again for listening to Ask a Matchmaker. Happy New Year, be lovable, and more importantly, be likable. See you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.